up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative, smart, and ambitious entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey because no one's given a playbook at the beginning. And I wanted to build a resource to share stories of people who have done it before us so that we could learn from their wins and their losses. And on today's show, I have my new friend, Art Robinson. Art is the founder and owner of Wepa, which is a new Puerto Rican restaurant here in town. And we just had the best conversation. Art is one of those entrepreneurs who had a different life in corporate America for many years. And we talk about that. We talk about what he learned and how that helped him. And uh, he had an epiphany one day and said it was time for him to answer his call. And he opened a restaurant and he did it with challenges, but he did it smartly. And we talk a lot about that. One of the toughest things that can happen to new business owners is getting started, right? And so he had a hard time getting funding because uh, he wrote a beautiful business plan. He put it in front of a number of banks and they said, this is awesome. This looks great. But no, you've never run a restaurant before, so we're not going to loan you money. And Art said, fine, I'll I'll do it myself. And uh, so he had a food truck and a catering company and he built up clientele and he let the food speak for itself. And uh, he got successful enough to open his doors and he's got a beautiful space in Garden City that's doing very, very well. So uh, we have a great conversation about his journey. Art, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was uh, wonderful to hear all you've done and uh, we're all rooting for you. And uh, let's get on with the conversation. Here we go. All right. Well, I am joined today with Art Robinson, who is the founder and owner of Wepa, which is a Puerto Rican restaurant that is, you just had a, your first year anniversary recently, yes? We did, October 1st. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on one year. Thank you. That's exciting. All right. So we're, I, I want to dig into your story. You got a great story. And so I want to... Uh, I want to hear all about it. You ready to tell it? Let's go. All right. So uh, tell me where you're from and how did you get to Idaho? Sure. So I am born and raised in New York. Uh, Mom's from Puerto Rico. And New York City? New York City, the Bronx. The Bronx? Yeah. You're a Yankees fan? I'm a diehard Yankees fan. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about last year. You guys couldn't pull it out. Well, that's all right. Maybe next year. I'm a Cubs fan. I don't have a whole lot to talk Maybe about. Maybe next so. year is the way to go, right? <laughs> right. Maybe we'll meet in this series. That would that's, be awesome. That's the goal. All right, so you're from the Bronx, sorry. Yep, nope, from the Bronx. Uh, so mom's born and raised in Puerto Rico, hence the connection. Uh, okay. I still have family there to this day. Uh, spent about 25 years in the Bay Area professionally. I was in the corporate world. Okay. And moved here uh, about seven years ago uh, on a corporate relocation Okay. Uh, from the Bay. And been loving it ever since. All right. So... I'm going to have you tell me just a little bit about WEPA. Just give me a, a little splash, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to work our way forward. Okay? So tell me tell me about WEPA. So WEPA, uh, we serve authentic Puerto Rican cuisine uh, with a social conscience. That's kind of our tie, we can talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit. Okay. Um, but it was uh, my way of uh, bringing a little bit of Puerto Rican culture to the, the Treasure Valley through food. Is there some Puerto Rican culture here? Um, you know, there's actually more than I thought there was mm-hmm. when I when I opened the place. Uh, we get uh, folks who are either from the island directly or second generation like myself, honestly, on almost a daily basis. Wow. And then give me just a real, like a hot sheet on like, what's Puerto Rican food like? Sure. So Puerto Rican food is a combination. It is uh, obviously Spanish inspired, but it is also influenced by the Taino Indian, which is the native Indian to the Caribbean, as well as uh, as an African influence from slave trade from, you know, 
back in the colonial days. So you bring all that together and you get this great confluence of garlic and cilantro and oregano and onions and peppers and things that are you're pretty commonplace, but when you put them all together in the right order, the way that we do, it gives it a different profile than some of the other you know, cuisines you'd be used to, be it Mexican or Italian or right. any other. I can smell it already. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you grew up in the Bronx, and then you said you went and you moved and you lived in the Bay Area, so you went coast to coast, and you were in the Bay Area for 25 years. So um, what did you go to school? I went to school in Colorado. I'm University of Colorado alum. Go Buffs. What did you study? You guys got Deion Sanders just we, recently, we didn't did, you? Yeah, That's crazy. That, hopefully it'll be a good thing. Yeah, um, I studied marketing and then stuck around. I was having such a good time. Stuck around for my MBA. So did that all in one fell swoop. Uh, went nice. back to New York for a couple of years um, and then just headed west. <laughs> I remember you told me you moved back to New York mm-hmm. and you were coming back home and you were like, um, essentially you're like, I'm out of here in like two years or something like that. So what was your mindset like there? Were you like, all right, I did you, did you have like some wanderlust? You're like, I want to see the rest of the country or I just, I I'm done with New York. Like what was your mindset like for, for, for leaving home? You know, um, for good back up for a second. I went to, uh, people ask me all the time why I went to Colorado and I went to Colorado cause I fully expected I was going to live in New York for the rest of my life. And I just wanted to say I lived somewhere else for sure. know, four or five years. The longer I spent in Colorado, the more I realized mm, New York's always going to be home. Sure. It's always where I'm from, and I'm super proud of it. But, yeah, I don't really think I want to live there anymore. And then after I graduated and went to graduate school and fell into some things, I'm like, all right, okay. An opportunity presented itself to go back to New York. So I went somewhat unwillingly. but <laughs> uh, And that was when I, as I'm crossing the George Washington Bridge and my Hyundai with a U-Haul attached to it, I said, I don't care what I'm doing, where I am, who I'm with, whatever, two years, and I'm out. Set the clock, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. So what did you do for two years in New York? Did so, you, did, what'd you do? Something completely unrelated. I was actually working uh, for a cruise line uh, company um, oh, wow. in, in their corporate headquarters, um, but I got to go on some cruises as part of my benefits package. That's nice. cool. Um, my mom was probably the most disappointing when I left that, because <laughs> right? she got more cruises out of it than I did. Um, but so I was just, you know, doing that and like i said uh, once i hit that de- deadline i just sat down with a, a map and a calendar and said okay let's see i've already been to colorado i love it but i don't need to go back i was looking at arizona at one point and i had a my best friend lives in san francisco and i had been there a few times even before he had moved there and i really loved it sort of had the best of both worlds i had that you know big city vibe of course but with a little california definitely uh, you know pace so so my favorite part of this part of the story is like, I'm going to move to San Francisco, but like, I don't have a place to live and I don't have a job. I got like a 500 bucks, whatever you had in your pocket, you know, and you just took off. So walk me through like what I, I've known some people who have done that and I love it. Like it's, I think it's brave. I think it's exciting. You know, you have the, like you're taking with you like this have to mentality. There are things you have to do when you get there. You have to find a place to live. You have to find a job to survive. So like, what was your goal when you're like, I'm just going to point and drive until I hit the Pacific ocean and then I'll figure it out from there. Uh, That was pretty much the goal. I I had about an eight week budget. Um, My buddy who I mentioned, uh, I had his couch to live on at least for a little bit. Yeah. Um, So I moved all my boxes and stored them in his living room. And uh, I knew two businesses at that point. I knew the cruise line business I'd been in for a couple of years. And then uh, back in Colorado, I worked for a beer wholesaler. So in the beer business. So those were the two industries I knew. 
luckily San Francisco was offering both of them yeah. at that time. And I just you know, sent out resumes cold and said, okay, I hope this works. And uh, you mentioned the word brave, and a lot of people do say, wow, that was really brave. And I, my answer is, is a fine line between brave and stupid. It sure is. And I've walked that line. <laughs> two weeks away. from and Within six weeks, I, uh, I had a, an amazing job with a beer wholesaler that basically led me to down my entire career path. There you go. Um, I had a place, uh, my own apartment, that my uh, my buddy was and his girlfriend were very happy to have me out. Uh, and I even met my first wife within those first few, uh, few weeks. So I was like... Everything sort of just you. Know, I was successful. Fell then. together, yeah. That was, that was awesome. Like I said, brave and stupid. Yeah, I brave fell on the right line of it. <laughs> yeah, one or the other, right? All right. So you were in San Francisco for a long time. Mm-hmm. You wound up with uh, was it Safeway mm-hmm. or yep, which bought Albertsons, and that's what brought you here, right? Or, so I was with Safeway, and actually I got hired as their beer buyer. Uh, this is a long time ago, but strictly because I had this job that I you know, fell into in, in the city, and then I uh, was with uh, Safeway for a few years jettisoned off that and wound up working for a couple of companies that called on Safeway, Kellogg's and Kimberly-Clark, um, then came back to, well, at that point, Safeway and Albertsons were in the process of becoming one, uh, mm-hmm. Albertsons buying Safeway. So I, I guess technically I was hired by Safeway, but even when I was hired, I was told within six months we could easily be moving to Boise. At one point they were looking at Phoenix, and then or we could stay in California. Yeah. So they wanted me to know up front that, any of those were okay, and so okay, yeah, let's do it. All right, and then you wound up here, and then I wound up here a few months after I was hired. Yeah. So what? So that was in twenty fifth. I was in twenty four. Uh, well, actually, no. I guess it was in because uh, I was there for almost four years. So I guess twenty twelve. Okay. Twenty thirteen. So what was your experience like in the corporate world? Yeah, it was typical. You know, uh, white shirt, slacks behind a computer most of the time. I was in sales and marketing, so a lot of time on the road uh, with all the divisions and just a very prototypical corporate job. Did you Did you like it? Or? You know, at the time I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you you know you know what you know and you, you go with that and then uh, you have goals to hit. You got exactly. People telling you what to do. Yeah, and, you, know, you know what, what have you done for me lately? Kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. So, so it, but it, like everything in life, it served a purpose. It was it was a, a you know steps on the on the journey. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been there. To yeah. Be honest, so. All right, so tell me about when this restaurant idea starts bubbling to the surface. Like, you're here in Boise. How did that come to fruition? Mm-hmm. Like, I, So, yeah, let's just start with, was it Redfish Lake that you had this? Yeah. yeah. So, in, so take me through your little your, your journey there. Yeah, in May of 2018, uh, uh, I guess I probably can describe it as a full-on midlife crisis. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, both professionally and personally, just had a lot of things going on, and uh, it stepped away from a lot of stuff, and I was uh, just trying to figure out what was next. I, I, the corporate world, I was definitely done with. Yeah. Uh, there was no doubt about that, but I had really no no plan, no ideas. And uh, I was getting out of town a lot, um, just exploring some of Idaho that I'd never been to. And, uh, yeah, I went to Redfish Lake. Uh, it was on a, one particular Saturday and drove up there in the morning, went on like a four- or five-hour hike, got lost along the way. Yeah. It's not a bad place uh, you know, to be lost. You know. um, and uh, I was driving back, and I, I probably left Redfish, I don't know, somewhere around 7 or 8 o'clock at night, so it was already you know, getting dark. And, um, and all of a sudden, it just 
it, it all hit me at once. I had been uh, and, uh, sort of the home chef, right? I always did the the parties, the Thanksgivings, the Christmases. Any anytime we had company over, um, whether it was you know four people or twenty people, yeah. it was just kind of my gig. I, I really enjoyed doing it. I'd never been to culinary school. Never even worked in a restaurant. It just stuff I just picked up as I went along yeah. and uh, I'm driving home and um, I'd been told all the time oh the, your food's great you should open a restaurant you know which everybody says to the host of the house right, right. being polite it's like yeah uh-huh, that's the, thank yeah, you yeah. Ha-ha, exactly and for some reason at that moment in time it wasn't haha anymore it's like, like wow huh. I could do this Puerto Rican food is obviously uh, you know the, the background and it would be a way of representing the stuff that I grew up on um, and bringing it to an area that certainly, at that point, I assumed there were almost no Puerto Ricans in the state. I was wrong, but you know, small contingency, uh, and a lot of people who probably hadn't been to Puerto Rico. And just really, with all the growth and everything going on here, and all the diversity, um, and seeing some of the already the ethnic restaurants that were doing well, um, whether you know, Ethiopian or Basque or Colombian, or you know, there was mm-hmm. there were other things that were already out here. I was like, yeah, we could do this. Yeah. And then. Um, I had been in Puerto Rico um, just in December of 2017, so it was right after Hurricane Maria, which was in September. Uh, I was there with my family, and uh, I saw some of that devastation firsthand, and part of that drive home also became, well, how can I do something to give back to this island that I absolutely love? It It is my happy place. And that's where the social conscience piece came in. Is right, how can I tie in a, a, so, a social marketing concept where we can give back? Yeah, I didn't know what that would look like exactly, but you know, just something in that vein. But all these ideas—I mean, the menu, the the concept, what the place would look like—was all just hitting me left and right on this drive home. So much so that um, I got home, I got back into town, probably eleven o'clock at night. And walked into, ironically, an Albertsons. Uh, <laughs> and it all comes full circle. Right. <laughs> and I bought an 89 cent notebook. And to this day, I describe that as my first investment into WEPA. Nice. Uh, I still did, you write, it. did you write it off? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Uh, it's got all the notes in it, just and a lot of just scribble scratch, right? Just right. taking everything that was you know, going through my mind and just putting it on paper. It if out, you read right? it today, it you know, wouldn't make any sense to anybody. Probably not even me. I wouldn't recognize half of what I wrote. But it was just, it just that's how it came so fast and furious. So what did that feel like? Because you're that's that's a, obviously a very important moment, like in time capture. Like what what was that? What did it feel like? Was it was it like you must have been excited, but like were you nervous? You're like, how am I going to do this? Like, what was going through your head? Like, what what kind of things were you writing down? It, it, it was all of the above and so much more. It was excitement. It was fear. It was, are you out of your mind? It was um, also there was some sense of contentment of, of okay, I've I've got a path now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get there, right. but I, I've got at least there's there's a, a spot at the end of the road. Now it's you know let's start plowing that road to get there. So all of that. All, right. All at once. So you have this idea, mm-hmm. right? That's a very important first step, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what you do with that idea is probably more important than the idea itself. So what kind of things did you start to put in motion, you know, to make this come true? What was the first thing you did when you're like, all right, I wrote all this down. What did you do next? So this is where you, you take the 20 plus years of business experience and, and put it on paper. So I, I've managed huge budgets and P&Ls and never really wrote a business plan but certainly have been part of enough of them to be uh, to say okay let's start here 
So I wrote uh, probably just a, a few paragraphs, if I recall right, sort of an executive summary of, mm-hmm. of just the ideas of this is what it would envision, this is what it would bring, the combination of the food that I mentioned before, the social conscience mark, uh, messaging. Put that all together, um, and uh, his best friend, I should probably give him a name, it's Ken, because um, <laughs> he's the same one that I lived in San Francisco as well. He happened to, uh, he happens to have been in the restaurant industry for 30-plus years. There you go. So um, the first thing I did was I sent it to him. And I, uh, when I sent it, I said, okay, please take a look at this. You cannot tell me I'm out of my mind. That part we've established, <laughs> right? <laughs> but give me something else to work with. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he replied back, you know, pretty quickly. And I uh, said, "All right, well, since you're not going to let me take the first path, um, I think you need to come to Atlanta, which is where he lives, and spend some time. And let's let's talk this through more." Right. I said, and so I'd already looked on a calendar. I picked the date like three weeks from that, you know, <laughs> that point. It's like I, I'm coming. I already booked my flight. And then uh, the second call I made was to uh, a cousin of mine in Puerto Rico. Um, who knows everybody he's just one of those people who i knew as soon as i said i wanted to do this he's like i know so and so so and so so and so uh and he said you should come down i said i'm coming to you right after atlanta so i'd already booked the the, the, the flight at least in my head yeah the field trip begins um, right so i i did I, I so i and then while planning the trip i started to refine that business plan write it out you know more to you know to the point where it's you know 15 20 pages of you know, solid thoughts um, went to Atlanta, spent time with, with Ken and, you know, he, bouncing ideas, went down to, uh, San Juan and my cousin immediately had me, um, uh, coordinated meetings with like three different chefs, uh, on the Island who could help me take my home recipes and turn them into restaurant recipes, completely different, you know, style of cooking. The food comes out, right? Yeah. It tastes the same, but how do you do it? Right. Um, and then get to see a little bit of, you know, the back of the house kitchens and all that. I don't know all that. So I think this move that you made is really smart. I think a lot of people will try and maybe go at it alone or they'll try and figure it out alone. You know, they're going on YouTube and they're reading articles and stuff like that. But I don't think there's any better way to learn this stuff than talking to people who have been in the trenches and who have done it successfully before. Um, so I, th- I think people sometimes are afraid to ask others for help for one reason or another. We may have our reservations. Like maybe it's a pride thing. I can figure this out by myself. Some people are wired that way. You know, some people, uh, are just fully confident that they know what they're doing before they start. But there are so many landmines along the way that you want to avoid. So I think I applaud the fact that you're like, the first thing I'm going to do is like heavy, heavy research with, with people who know what they're doing in this, in this arena. So what kind of things did they teach you that have been important to your success? Uh, you know, wow, that's, that's, that's a really good question because it was it, those were the two first ones, but then it seemed like everyone that I talked to as I came back and, hey, what are you going to do next? And I started floating this idea. Everyone I talked to seemed to know somebody. And it led to, I did sort of a showcase dinner at a friend's house with like 10 people who were all in somehow related to the industry. Um, and I said, hey, I'll feed you, you feed me information, right? So it was a, that was a trade-off. Yeah, uh, it's barter services right. here, right? And that led to uh, actually getting a job in a kitchen, which I, as I mentioned, I had never worked in a restaurant before in my life. Here I am, I'm uh, 49 years old, I guess. And um, there was a restaurant downtown who was still in the process of opening. 
and uh, they knew what I was doing. They, uh, they knew I'd never spent, you know, even a minute in a commercial kitchen. And uh, they were kind enough to hire me just to be a prep cook. Yeah, yeah. You know, stand in the back and dice peppers and zest lemons and limes. Great. But while I was doing that, I got to observe right. everything around me, you know, how to set up a kitchen, where everything should go, all the equipment I would need. And it was only for a few months. It was sort of an understanding of, you know, as they were ramping up, you know, I'm just there on sort of on a loan basis. I was older than probably any two or three, you know, the kids back there combined <laughs> right. who were all incredibly nice to me and supportive. And, and, and I had planned on keeping everything on the down low, but uh, the managers there, you know, actually were sharing what I was doing. So yeah. people were excited. And in fact, one of them works for me today as we speak. Awesome. <laughs> um, so it's... Uh, it, I guess one begat the other, and so I got to learn all the way through. I, I can't point to one person, but it's just every step led to three, four, or five more people okay. that all taught me the restaurant side. The business side, I felt like I had you know a good handle on, but even that, you know, there's, yeah. there's different there's different pieces, and you know, the people talk about the failure rate of restaurants and how high it is. And from the folks that I spoke to and then what I could see firsthand is there's generally two reasons, maybe more, but it comes down to two things. One is lack of marketing um, or not the right marketing, whatever the case may be. Felt like I had a good idea of how to promote the business. And two was capital. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, but knowing that before you even start, you better have a plan to have not enough money to build the place, but enough money to build the place and start the place and have some reserves. Some runway. You know, exactly, some runway to, to help you out. So from day one, I, I never built it with the idea of, okay, it's going to cost me X amount to build a restaurant. I need to raise that. It's no, I need X amount plus Y plus Z. <laughs> right. And that's that's how I built it. That's how I built the business plan. So even when I was talking to people, whether they were you know, interested in financing it or understanding it, they saw what I was doing from the business standpoint and said, okay, at least you know, you've got that part nailed. So was there anything that you laid out in your business plan that you were showing people and they pointed out and maybe they noticed something that was missing or a gap in your plan? They're like, well, this all looks good, but don't forget about this. Like, what Were there some holes that they filled like throughout this process? Oh, absolutely. Really, I mean, I, the last I checked, I was I was working with one bank in particular who was giving me you know uh, more time than most, at least to help really perfect the the financials and the plan. And I probably still have every single one of them, but I think the last time I looked, there might have been like thirty two versions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I every time I did something significant, I I created a new version just because I wanted to you know somewhat be curious and also if I needed to go, go backwards so there was a, I mean, a multitude of things you know yeah. that uh, again that were specific to the industry oh what about this oh what about that so when you first started and you got your business plan out and you do your kind of world tour and you're asking people now you got a job that you're trying to learn on the ground what it's like to be in a kitchen like did you have something in your head that's like all right I want to be open your goal might have been like I want to be open and like what were your expectations for you know for serving your first customer because yep. i want to talk about that because it didn't go probably as you had originally planned not exactly so uh you know you go back to that redfish data it's like in fact i i it's in my calendar as wepa conception day is what i call it nice. and when we I celebrate post, it every and year I, I, I do i post on social media every day is this is this is where you know, <laughs> this is where there's a few right there's the the wepa conception day there's the you know anniversary of the restaurant itself there's yeah. a couple of anniversaries but anyway so that was june of 2019 okay 
And in my mind, I was going to be open by early 2020. Yeah, six, six seven months six, or something seven like months, that. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I had already identified a, a spot. There was a. Um, I was living in Southeast Boise, um, out uh, down Warm Springs Road and um, Harris Ranch and River Heights, that mm-hmm. area, by the Idaho Shakespeare Festival, and that. Basically, it's, it, even to this day, still is kind of a restaurant desert. There's a yeah. few more than there were even then. Mm-hmm. But even then, there was only a couple. Right. And there was a, so there were some retail spaces that were open. I was like, oh, cool. I can just walk right into here and yeah. you know, show them my amazing business plan. And <laughs> they're going to you know sign up. And yeah, back up the truck. And um, didn't quite work. Everybody mm-hmm. loved the business plan. There was... Uh, I got lots of nice compliments about that. And they, then it came back to, well, so you don't have any restaurant experience do you I said, nope <laughs> that was it <laughs> that's huh? a problem yeah, okay i can understand your trepidation how many places did you try and oh, borrow from wow <laughs> off the top of my head i'd say at least five different banks and a couple of private investors wow um but again i i had some of my own funds and then had some other you know personal things that we that you know was able to to make it work and stretch it and honestly you know uh, to this day we we I think we got our first line of credit just a little while ago. So, wow. <laughs> uh, from a, you know, uh, lots of credit cards, but um, uh, you know, from with a, uh, a banking relationship. So, all right. So you get the financing part of this deal. You know that door shuts in your mm-hmm. face. You know, so but it doesn't deter you, nope. right? So what was? How did you decide to go? Because uh, you went into essentially catering and food truck. Yeah. So I mean, I you know again, I thought I was going to open this restaurant right away, and then I realized that um, between limited retail opportunities and then zero experience, like okay, nobody's going to let me rent their spot. Even though know, I had you know I had some backup plans in my IRA and things that yeah. I was you know willing to put up as collateral and all those things. Nobody wanted to touch it. Wow. Even though I was, you know it's like you realize I could, I've got enough, you know you want me to sign a five year lease and I can pay you five years now if you need me to, um, but you know they they didn't want to do it. And again, wow. I, I respect the decisions, especially sure. in hindsight. Um, and so I had started renting commissary space just so I could, again, practice in the commercial kitchen, okay. take all the recipes and, and restaurantize them. And as I was doing that, um, I had, uh, that's actually my ex-wife, ironically, approached me and said, hey, I'm opening a business. Do you want to cater my opening night? Yeah. Wow. I hadn't really thought about catering at, at, up to that point. <laughs> Uh, I said, but yeah, let's do that. And uh, we talked about a menu, and we, you know, said, hey, I'll just do it, you know, for cost. It's not, I'm not trying to make money here. I'm just trying to get, you know, a, you know, get the word out, and b, just sort of, um, you know, make something happen. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I did her uh, event, and she it was 200 entrepreneurs. That's oh. the business she was in, and uh, one of the individuals who was there. Um, is the owner of the Lounge at the End of the Universe, give him a free plug, uh, Jen Adams, and she's from New York, and um, she knew plenty of Puerto Ricans. She grew up around Puerto Ricans, and she literally stopped mid when she heard what we were doing. She stopped mid-sentence with somebody and said, I got to go talk to him. Yeah. And she came over, and we chatted for know, half an hour on just you know about the food and this and that and the other thing. And then she said, hey, I'm getting ready to open my place. Nice. <laughs> I think she was, uh, this was in March, and she was going to open in May. Great, I'm there. And I did her uh, opening night and then wound up meeting somebody else who then led me to somebody else. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing uh, the uh, 
Boise Beer Buddies is a brewery club um, uh, in town, and I she introduced me to all the breweries. So I've got, I don't know, probably nine or ten different breweries that I was now basically acting like a food truck, but just a pop-up town. Okay. Um, all while still looking for the ideal retail location and saying, I'm just doing this temporarily until, you know, a couple of catering things in between. Right. Uh, and that turned into, you know, a success, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it was basically, you know, it was a, it a two year sampling plan. <laughs> right. Was that something that was even on your radar or once you were given this opportunity, you obviously leapt at it. You're like, yes, I'll totally do this because maybe this will, sp- did you take that job with, did you know that it was going to be a springboard into like all these other opportunities or is that what you're hoping for? I think it, I think it was more of a hope. And I had an old boss who used to say, hope is not a strategy, it's but not. Uh, you know, in this case, it, it, it's not bad it, to it have, kind of but, was. Yeah. Um, so it, again, it started with one brewery and then two and then three. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was doing, like I said, probably a, a fleet of nine or 10 of them, plus a couple of farmers markets, plus uh, special events, Eagle fun days, um, the gazebo series uh, in Eagle um, Meridian, you know, also, as I was doing them all over uh, the valley, so the more I was doing, the more I was sort of becoming comfortable with this. But I had a realtor that I was working with, and hey, let's keep an eye open. And you know, things were coming across less sporadically, and I honestly wasn't looking quite as hard yeah. because I was too busy, you know, doing this doing this uh, food truck thing. So, what kind of feedback were you getting from your food? I mean, this was obviously a point in time where you're you just you're working on your menu and you're making all these things and you've learned this new craft and then you've got to put this food in front of people and they have to eat it. Like what was the response like, you know, because if your food's not any good, you know, this isn't going to work. So what was, what were your events like? What kind of feedback were you getting? Um, yeah. And, and like, how did that stoke your fire to, you know, keep going and going and going? Yeah, no, the feedback was, it was phenomenal. Um, right out of the shoot. I mean, we, I was only doing six or seven items and for the most part, it was me. I would, I had some folks I would call in to help on big events, but the day in day out stuff, it was me or me and my son. Um, so that was it. I was, I was in the commissary all day prepping, run the event in the evening, go home and clean and get ready for the next day. You know, yeah. So it was, uh, there wasn't really time to, <laughs> to look outwards uh, <laughs> right. into what was next. But, uh, but I was gathering a following. Um, I had folks who would come to different breweries that I was at. I would, social media was, was sort of my, my thing. So I was posting literally every day where we were going to be and what we were serving. Um, I had folks who, it just almost embarrassing, where they would come to the brewery I'd be outside, they'd grab the food, and they'd leave. They wouldn't even go inside and have a beer. Uh-huh. I was like, no, 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 please do this. <laughs> this is supposed to be symbiotic. Right. You know, I, I, you know, they're helping me. I want to help them. And um, But th- that would happen on occasion. It was yeah. not, not all the time, but it was it was funny when it did. So, yeah, slowly but surely. And, of course, the number one question I was getting asked all, all over again is, uh, do you have a, a you know a brick and mortar, or when are you getting one? And So I was answering that you know 20 times a day. So That's a good sign. But all, yeah, exactly. That's so uh, all while building the clientele that I never, you know, you asked, you know, what was missing in the business plan. And, you know, I think how to build that clientele with a brick and mortar would have taken me a lot longer than it did by going to all these different places. Yeah. How many events do you think that you worked before you opened your doors? I'm just want to get a scope of what this time was like for you. Wow. Um, I basically did it for two years uh, my first event was in march of 19 
And then I shut down the the food truck in October of 2020, about a year and a half. And uh, a lot of food trucks will close for the winter. But because I was doing these pop-ups, I just then limited it to breweries where I could do it inside, mm-hmm. changed the menu up so I could you know, do it inside. So I, I never really stopped. Yep. And I was doing probably four to five events a week. So whatever that math, that's that's more than that's I a lot. can put it in. <laughs> that's a lot. I, I've never been asked that a question. Hundred, so probably, sudden, yeah, easily a couple, a couple hundred. hundred, especially when you include other you know, special events, for sure. Did you enjoy that time? I mean, that's a lot of work, right? That's a lot of work. So, I mean, you've got all these events. You know, did you still have your space at the commissary? Would you prep there and just roll everything over? That's, and that's exactly the way it. Yeah, I did all my prep at the commissaries every day. So um, I was I was there pretty much at least six days a week. Um, and uh, most days I would do as much as I could there. And then some things I was bringing over already done. Some things I was cooking on site. Um, did you have any help? Again, a little bit here and there. Uh, for a while, I had hired uh, some commissary help. Um, so there were times where I had, uh, especially in the summertime where it was busier, uh, where I had folks who either were helping me in the commissary or helping me out at the events or both. Um, I had my older son, uh, this was his senior year in high school, and he spent the, the summer with me uh, at the events. So when you're doing this, when you're in this phase of your career and you're doing pop-ups and you have the commissary and things like that, um, were you trying to save up enough money so that you could open your space? And so did you have like a number you were trying to get? Not, I, don't, I don't care what the number is, but you're like, all right, I need to make sure I have this amount of money. And I think I can get there, you know, by this date. And like, what was going on in your head from like a business standpoint? Like, all right, cause you, this is a lot of work and you don't want to be doing this forever. Like you have an end game, you know, to get your space. So what in your mind were you planning in your head like okay i i can do this for you know 18 months or two years like mm-hmm. i can put away this much money and i got to control my costs and do all that so from a business standpoint what was going on in your head you know to get you to your space well i was lucky in the sense that um i had sold a house um and gotten a nice chunk of proceeds off of that Back yeah. in 2018 it was a, a great time to, to flip a house um and then i had some family investment um so the the starting number i actually kind of already had in my pocket so now it was okay well how do i get to you know that surplus that i needed to build um and really it was more about just getting the word out so as long as i'm not losing a tremendous amount of money (laughs) and you know sort of slowly building that little nest egg then when it when the time is right i'll know it and we'll be good okay and and that's kind of how we got there all right so what did you do? How'd you find your space? You know, what did you have to do to get it ready? Let's, let's get up to opening day. Here. Sure. So like, what was that? What was that like? So the location that I'm in today, um, which is in garden city, uh, I had actually looked at, I think in early 2019, it was an old mechanic shop. It had been, uh, it was empty for I don't know, three, four years. I'm not exactly sure, but it completely gutted. There was nothing. It was overrun by weeds and it had, you know, four holes in the building where the doors or windows used to be. Uh, and that was it. No yeah. flooring, no nothing. It's like four walls and a roof. Right. And I, at the time I was working with the realtor and I looked at it and, uh, it's a couple blocks off of Chinden and garden city still wasn't quite, where it's direction it's going in right now and i didn't know enough about garden city either and uh, i asked him i said well how long do i think it's going to be and he said oh, about six months i said like, ah, 
six months, I'm going to be in a, I'm going to be in a place. I'm going to have already started. And again, yeah. this is like I said, early 2019. This is back when I was <laughs> right. when I was under that illusion. Yeah, the banks are going to be calling any day, right? right? But now, fast forward to uh, I guess it was uh, probably June of 2020. The uh, the spot came up again, except this time now. Um, they had done some uh, art, some artist renderings of what they were looking for, gave it some little more meat to it. Um, I met the owners of the building, who were uh, an amazing couple, um, and, and who were super nice, and uh, they were building uh, two Airbnbs right next to me as part of the building itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were going to be hands-on in the place. Great. We sat down and chatted. I told them my story. They told me theirs, and I think we knew pretty much right away okay this is this is a good fit yeah i like this right? sounds good so i signed the lease i think in uh september of 2020 and um the idaho statesman uh, called me and said hey we saw that you, he he had been to a couple of my uh, i'd done some pop-up dinners and um, uh, he was familiar with it and uh he calls and said hey we get the you know, listings of lease signings i see you finally found a place i said yeah you guys want to do a story i said great that's great and uh so we you know, spent 20 or 30 minutes uh, on the phone and uh, he said when do you think you're going to be open said, well let's see this is uh september so at that point in time i think i said I said like December before yeah. the end of the year. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, this place is gutted. Right. What do we know, right? <laughs> and I had friends who immediately said, "You're out of your mind." <laughs> Me, you're probably looking more at April. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can live with April. Sure. Yeah. Well, we opened October first, twenty twenty one. So <laughs> that, that article is actually in my in my dining room, you know, framed. And I remember walking past it in August of twenty twenty one, looking at it where I said I was going to be open, you know, at the end of twenty twenty. I was like, eh, I missed that market just just a little bit. <laughs> so, what took so long? Um, well, again, it was it, we basically it was gutted, right? And uh, the owners of the building uh, were extremely generous with the idea generation, and they had you know the basic framework of the of the building done, and then I could do the inside, but they let me do it in tandem with them. Okay. So rather than you know the traditional of they do their part, hammer the keys, and then I go, we were able to do it together, but. You know, now we're sort of post-COVID and supply chain and labor shortages yeah. and permitting. And so be, go ahead and pick a topic, any topic. Each one of them added, you know, two, three, four months. Right. Yeah. Um, from the time we signed the lease to the time we laid the floor, I think it was four months. Yeah, that was the first part. You know, oh, my God. And then from there, so. No, that's true. I think that's pretty common, though. Things generally do take longer than, than we think mm-hmm. for one reason or another, especially if you've never done it before. So um, expectations tend to be a little bit more aggressive than reality, I think. It, it, it definitely was a good uh, patience tester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So opening day was in October mm-hmm. of 2021. What was that like? What? It, tell me what you felt like when, you know, whatever, 1130, you know, on the Monday and you open your doors. Well, what was that like when you got your first clients and what were you feeling? What was your first day like? Walk me through your state of mind. Oh, this is, is going to be a good one. Um, so we, we, I, I found myself an amazing um, kitchen manager, back of house guy, who um, it was always my expectation. I wanted to be in the front. I needed a back. Um, and I didn't 
assume for a second I'd find anybody with Puerto Rican experience. I just you know, find me somebody who can run a kitchen. I can teach them the recipes. Well, I was lucky enough to find a gentleman who was living in Alaska, had lived here before, but spent seven years in Puerto Rico. He's not Puerto Rican, but no. has spent seven years cooking in Puerto Rico. Yeah, he's uh, an honorable, as a chef and a honorable chef. Puerto He is definitely an honorable. <laughs> so I, and now I had you know full confidence in the back of house. Uh, I mentioned one of the individuals I worked for back in the restaurant. Um, wanted to hire him. So I had good, good staff. Brought in staffing, brought in servers. Again, I'd never interviewed these kind of folks before and didn't know what to expect. We did some training. Uh, we did a couple of soft days, you know, opening friends and family, you know, yeah. test things out. Okay, we're golden. This was like on a Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to you know, reset on Thursday and open the doors on Friday. Friday comes around, uh, four o'clock. I get a call from one of my two servers. Eh, this isn't gonna really work. Oh, so no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I ever waited a table in my life was on my own opening night. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, to this day, I can't tell you what happened that night. Uh, I had some friends who came in to help me. I had one who again had never worked in a restaurant or hadn't in years, and she served as my hostess. I had another who was back there cleaning bar glass glasses and wine glasses we were going that entire my family was there i know they were there but i don't remember ever speaking to them oh my gosh (laughs) it was a complete blur uh i do remember and i guess you know this was the really nice thing is i think we were opening at five o'clock and at 4 40 something there were probably 10 or 12 people standing outside waiting to come yeah no and nobody i know did not friends or family these were just you know legitimate just first time yeah. restaurant goers oh my god and i looked at that and it's like this is gonna be fun <laughs> um so well, yeah so. yeah well you did it like do you think they knew you know i i get i don't think so yeah. uh, and that's one of the things i've learned in the, in the last year plus so you know you you have a plan something happens somebody doesn't come in something your product doesn't come in you run out of something whatever the case may be at the end of the day, you just you figure it out as you go, and you and you get through it. And most of the time, the customers just simply have the experience that they came in for. They don't they don't see you know it's like it's like the duck you know where the, you know, everything looks nice and calm just, on top and the feet are and, just and the going, feet are going like crazy on the bottom. So, well, I think it's I think I love that story. I think that that's something that you know like new business owners or business owners as a whole. Um, will get thrown these situations and in the past while you were a corporate guy and I was I worked in I was an employee for you know a dozen years before I started my business too like there was always somebody to point to mm-hmm. you know like well this is not my problem pal this mm-hmm. is your problem like I don't know this is and now all the fingers get pointed at us right yeah. and you're like well you have to figure this out mm-hmm. and so like your creativity muscle gets you know, built up really quickly and you're, you know, you're pull the rip cord and all these things that you have to figure out on the fly can be really challenging because it's really scary at first, but you know, as long as you, you know, remain calm and like, this is not the, no one's going to die tonight. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but that's, that's something that you really can't be trained for, you know, once you're put in a position that's like, oh, that's the one thing that can be really exhilarating, but also can be very exhausting where it's like every final decision lands on you, you know? And so some people thrive on that. You know, most people that are successful do well, but sometimes it's, 
it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, my wife and I call it decision fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, she runs a business too. And I run a business. And so there are times where we're sitting around at home and we're like, you know, what do you want for dinner? And like, nobody, we're done. We're done making decisions for the week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, <laughs> just like, I don't want to make any more decisions. And we got teenagers and there are more decisions that go with that. <laughs> and so it's just like, we get tired of it. Some, there are some days I just want someone to tell me what to do, mm-hmm. but, uh, that's not what we signed up for that's when right. we did this. So, <laughs> so, uh, what was your, what's your first year been like? I, you know, you told me before it's, it's been, it's been great. So tell me what, what was, what was your first year like? It was, it has been absolutely amazing. Um, that's an overused adjective, obviously. Um, to the point where people are like, well, what did you expect? And I was like, I'm not even sure I can tell you what I expected, but I can tell you damn sure that it surpassed it threefold. I mean, it, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, the, the feedback from um, guests has been amazing. Uh, we have a, a pretty steady um, count of regulars, people who come in that I know by name. They know me by name. They know my kids. They know, you know, yeah. uh, whatever the case may be. And even that, I guess I was thinking, well, again, I'm, I'm doing something unique with Puerto Rican food. It's different. It's not the kind of food you go out to, you know, three, four nights a week. It's, it's, it's something different. And I, I've got customers who do come in a couple times a week, wow. um, three times a week. And so, plus you just get all the yesterday you know oh we haven't heard about you guys we just wandered into this we saw you know the building or we saw your yeah. sign on the green belt or whatever the case may be so i'm still getting all that and um you know the the reaction has been you know, overwhelming uh congratulations thank you yeah, I, that's amazing. It, it's uh, like i said if you had asked me you know three years ago what i was expecting i would have said well i just want to feed some people and you know make them happy and yeah. hope they walk out with a, a full belly and call it good <laughs> Well, I want to ask you real quick, um, when it comes to restaurants, you, you mentioned it earlier, like restaurants, it's a tough business, right? A lot of them don't make it past their first year. Not many make it to their third year or whatever. And it's my, I always thought that, you know, their first, ex, your first experience when going to a new restaurant, you have like, it has to be positive. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be, or they're not coming back. Right. Whether the, if the food's bad, there, there, there are plenty of ways that you could under impress somebody, you know, at a restaurant, mm-hmm. like the food may not deliver, obviously the help, you know, the staff, if you have a rude, you know, a server or a rude waiter or something like that, you know, that people won't, won't come back. And so the first experience is crucial you know, and as a new restaurant, so many people that are going to be coming in in your first year, it's going to be their first experience. So like you have to really be on every day, you know? And so, you know, what would you tell a new restaurant owner to say, Hey, look, like to make it out of your first year, here are the things that you have to make sure that you do well. Like, what would you tell? What would you, what would you tell a new, a new restaurant? I'd owner? probably tell them the same thing that everybody told me. Uh, your hardest, challenge is going to be staff um which is which has been true Mm -hmm. um but at the same time they're also you're absolutely the greatest asset you can possibly have Mm -hmm. and i I tell my staff all the time we get great reviews you know a lot of of stellar reviews and a lot of them will talk about the food which i obviously (laughs) sure hope they do that is the driver but more of them than I ever would have imagined also talk about how amazing our staff is. And that actually brings me more joy than the food. I, th- I guess I assume the food's going to carry itself. 
But when they talk about the servers, or they talk about them by name even, um, and how you know they're helpful with explaining what the dishes are, because a lot of times there's education involved, or just such a pleasant experience, or whatever the case may be, that again, not something I was really expecting or I wasn't really thinking about, I yeah. guess, when I was going into it. And now I realize that, like I said, that they're the greatest asset. The, ba- the back of house staff is getting that love by virtue of the food that's being delivered. Right. So I know that <laughs> people are appreciating them from just because of the food itself, but that they, uh, the service and the experience, they talk about the ambiance of the place also. And uh, so when you bring it all together. So makes, you know, I can tell you, and so can anyone that owns a business that has employees that, you know, staffing and employees are the most important part of your business. And they're also the, like the toughest to find, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, staffing is really tough. So what are you doing right in that arena? Like, how are you finding people? How are you training them? You know, and how are you keeping them happy? Mm-hmm. Some of it uh, is really, I mean, we, you know, we post, you know, the traditional ways online and social media and whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of it's word of mouth where, you know, one begets the other. Most of my uh, runners and bussers um, are, are friends, actually. Okay. They, they, they Somehow they all knew each other and have slowly but surely brought each other in. Um, they're all mostly kids in, in high school. I affectionately refer to them as children of WEPA. Yeah. Um, I get nice. asked all the time you know, if they're mine. and I, I, My younger son does work for me. I say, he's mine. The rest are mine when they walk in the door, but then yeah. they're not mine when they walk out. <laughs> yeah. I know some of their parents, too. Um, so I, I've been really lucky that way. And with servers, uh, it, it just... It, I. I think I've just been amazingly lucky. Um, you know, we certainly have had some who just aren't a good fit, and then okay, that's fine. It, this isn't the place, and then they move on, and we bring somebody else in who winds up, you know, being being that right fit. And right now, uh, as honestly throughout the entire year, I've just been lucky enough to have the right people and the right time at the right place um, to allow me to you know to, to do that. Well, I think you're being humble. I think there's something that you're bringing to the table to keep people having my, my son was a dishwasher at a restaurant down the street here for a while. And it's a tough, dirty, nasty, smelly job, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but what do you do to make sure that it's, <laughs> that it's fun ish, you know, or that there's joy there? What, how are you building culture there so that the kids show up and they're like, I'm ready to wash dishes, you know, for the next three or four hours. And it's a hard job, you know, so what kind of things, you know, are you bringing to them, you know, and it might be, I'm sure it's, it's simple things like kindness and yeah. smiling and high yeah. fives and praise. Like, well, what kind of things are you doing to build that culture so that, you know, people are coming and they want to come and work for you? I, I like to think it, uh, I guess we're trying to still be humble, but I, I gratitude, right? Right. Um, I, the, when I first did the training and we haven't done a lot of formal training since then, most of our training now is just on the job stuff. But that, those first few days I sat everybody down. I said, this is a very simple formula is happy customer, happy staff, happy me. If we get the first two, right. I've, yeah. I've got nothing not to be happy about. Right. right? Uh, and I, and I do treat it that way. Obviously again, the customer always comes first, of course. And when we do have an issue, I don't want somebody getting caught up with, well, what happened or how this happened or again, pointing fingers, not my concern, not to not right now. You right. know, we can talk about it, you know, process wise at the end of the night, but right now let's get the happy customer. Mm-hmm. Let's know that if it was a mistake, it was a mistake and we own all it. make those and own it exactly. Okay. And let's move on. Um, and then, then we're good. Uh, yeah. and I, and I hope that my staff, you know, get, that and that so sure there's times where you know 
Yeah, I yell at them sometimes. I just <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But I also also explain to them really quickly that when stuff's going down on a Friday night and we're you know packed to the gills, we got a waiting list and all that. If I yell at you and I turn around, I've already forgotten about what what I yelled about. Right? Yeah. It's it's Short all right, let's get this done and move on. Don't take it personally. It's not it. That's not it. And most of them get that. And that's where that, I think that's where now we've built up that respect and and gratitude. And I, I mean, I will. I don't walk out the door every day without thanking everybody that's that's there. Yeah. Uh, if I'm leaving before them. Great. You know. <laughs> I mean, there's some real life lessons that can be learned by doing this kind of work. You yeah. know, that was, I, I was stoked that my son chose to do that and, you know, get your hands dirty and do some hard work and, you know, be, um, hopefully they're grateful for and thing. they'll take care of him and be kind to him and things like that. And so, you know, this is where the work ethic comes from our youth, you know, in places mm-hmm. like this. I think it's really important. Um, I wanted to ask you about mar- marketing is important for any business, you know, um, talk to me about what your marketing plan was like, um, for the first year. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I want you to kind of tell me like, well, what was your plan for, for getting people in the door? Well, um, twofold. Uh, one was obviously just again focusing on on the food and the culture and bringing some diversity, uh, you know, some different diversity, right? To get to, the Treasure Valley has been growing leaps and bounds before I got here, yeah. you know, uh, but and since I've been here, um, but really wanted to bring a little bit of that culture that you know I love and that I grew up with and you know my family's part of. Um, but then there's the social marketing piece of it with the social conscience going back to their hurricane relief. Um, and as long as it took me to find uh, the right property, it also took me uh, equally as long to find the right uh, avenue to do that. Um, I wanted to be very careful about partnering with a an organization down on the island. I didn't want to do you know some of the major you know. Uh, relief centers because that's that's great but lots of people do that i really want to hone in on something local to the island and i found a a great organization his name is protechos and uh they uh build roofs and not only do they build roofs in underserved communities but they also teach people how to build roofs so they're doing on the job training as well they have a a, i think it's an eight-week training program so that when you're done with that program you can now go and build or be a part of of it and um you know i started talking to them not long before we actually opened the physical location up till then i was just doing little things here and there but we probably started in i don't know summer of 2021 and they were still building roofs damaged from hurricane maria like four years four years and this year i checked in with them and they're still Wow. building the, the last count that they have is there's probably about three thousand wow. roofs that have some element of damage either you know complete devastation or you know patchwork whatever the case may be but somewhere that their that their services are needed they, they can't build three thousand roofs so it'll take them you know, longer than we can even think about but here they are they're providing this service they're providing this extra training they're small they're local like i said i I had visited with them on a couple of occasions and so i made a commitment to them um at the early part that we're going to do two things one we were going to donate part of our net profits assuming we had some Uh (laughs) Uh, but we were also going to spread that message directly to our our customers and let them know about the organization. And at that point, when we first started, we were leading them to their website if they wanted to you know, do something more or donate yeah. directly. 
uh, we have since been able to work a system now where they can actually donate directly on their bill. So if they oh, cool. if they want to just you know if they've had a great meal and they're interested, let us know and then we can add a, a surcharge, it's a separate GNL, you know all that stuff, yeah. and then uh, we package that all up. So we just finished our first year. And we wrote them a check for five thousand dollars. Congratulations! Which, yeah, yeah. I, you, know, it, it, you know, you know, when I first thought I was going to do this, I said, "Well, first of all, the first year probably not going to be anything." I said, "And by the way, if people are donating to you, I'm never even going to see it because I won't know that they did unless they tell me." Um, but we were able to to put this together, and then uh, for our anniversary party, we actually did a couple of days where we did a fundraiser specifically for them. We uh, got some great raffle prizes donated from some of our local vendors. And uh, we had a big old block party, and that that generated uh, I think about a thousand of it. And wow. The rest was was off of the, of the, the donation. So it was a it's a nice feeling to, to that's amazing cut that check. So good for you. Now we got you know looking to double it for next year. So. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. So what's what's next? We're we're staring down the barrel of a of a new year, right? Mm-hmm. And so what do you have planned for twenty twenty three? So we, you know we uh, we opened a rooftop patio. Uh, that was always part of the design, but we didn't get to open it until July of this year because the construction wasn't done. Um, no way. One more delay, right? <laughs> so we really didn't get our. We and when you go back to August, where we had all that blistering hot uh, heat, so we did not get anywhere near full use, even for the three months that it was open. Yeah. So I am really looking forward to getting to uh, you know April to spring, right? Yep. And getting a full season out of, out of that. Uh, it's a great experience. We get people all the time who ask, you know, oh, when are you open? But, uh, you know, it'd be 105 degrees. And, oh, is it open? No, it's not. <laughs> no. You don't want to be up it's there. It's even hotter upstairs. I don't want to be up there. <laughs> Servers don't want to be up there. You're not going to enjoy this at all. So why don't we wait until we got, you know, some decent weather? Um, so really getting a full use of that. We're going to rent it out for private events. Um, right. We've had music up there. You know, so we've, we've done a couple of things. So this will be the, even though we're into our second year, and some things we're still going to be doing for the first time. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited by Good. what that brings. We just changed our menu up a little bit, added items for the first time um, that we did did like two days ago. So wow, um, yeah. So that's that, that's what's next. There you go. <laughs> well, buddy, I'm I'm a lot of questions. <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on. I love stories like yours. One that where an idea hatches and you see it all the way through. And I just love the way you did it by, by learning and being curious and, and going to resources that were trusted and you're very thoughtful. You were told no numerous times and you're like, I don't care. I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to do it in a different way. You've pivoted. Um, you're running a really tough business very successfully right out of the gate. You're taking care of your people. They want to come and work for you. You're building a culture. You're bringing something new to the town. So there's just so much to admire about the, the early stages of your career. And, you know, uh, uh, I wish you all of the success moving forward. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate this opportunity. It, it, it's fun to sit here and talk about it in one fell swoop and think of things that I didn't even realize we've done yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. We're rooting for you. And uh, we're going to come eat some Puerto Rican food. Wepa! <laughs> Art. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, A lot of people can learn from your journey, and I appreciate you spending some time uh, in your busy day and coming and talking with me. My name is Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram at Deets Agency. I've got a website at Deets Agency as well. And that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. 
keep up the good work. Anywhere the wind blows, anywhere the fire flies, 